and KSI essentially says, oh, he hesitates, right? He's like, well, I mean, we could. No, we shouldn't. Oh, well, we need the points though. We need the points. We need the points. And then he essentially alludes to the Peaceler and then just says, flat out just says the Peaceler and they all burst into uproarious laughter. I and, didn't, didn't realise. That's even worse. I didn't realise that was the context of him saying it. Hi, Benji here. I'm Ollie, And you're listening to TikToks, the podcast where we unpack TikTok's hottest trending topics. From pop culture to social issues, we'll be stripping back the layers, helping you understand what's going down on the For You page, and saying how we feel about it. Whether it's Couch Guy, Berries and Cream, or Kate Bush's latest banger, nothing is off limits. Tune in every week for your dose of TikToks. Welcome to episode 25 of the TikToks podcast. Ollie, yes, hit us a good I don't, I, I, no, I refuse. <laughs> I'm on a writer's strike, okay? I won't be a, I won't be a lackey writing jokes for this podcast any longer. I'm sure there's some joke to be made about, like, the square root being five, I just cannot think of it. Yeah, I mean, 25 is a quarter of a hundred, so that's a pretty decent mm. milestone, you know. Yeah, that's not a good joke, though. Oh, but is it's it good. Much? It's a good milestone for the podcast. We've hit a quarter of a hundred. That's pretty cool, right? The podcast is now older than me. Still got three more to get to me. You haven't Younger asked than you, though, I... old man. Uh, not the ageism. <laughs> Not the ageism, <laughs> but you know what, How was 28? Yeah, I was going to say, you haven't asked me yet. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I had a good time with my friends, kept it quite chill. I went for brunch, had to be drunk after. It was nice. It was nice. I'm feeling good about 28 overall. I feel like countdown till 30. It's going to be interesting, I feel. Are you worried about 30? I think it's one of those things where the closer I get, the more I'll probably get like nervous about it. But then it'll probably feel like ripping the plaster off. Like once you actually turn that it's probably just like, oh, okay, I'm just the same person, just a different decade. Yeah, literally. Know? And also like being queer, I feel like age is not as much of a thing, I guess. <laughs> in... Yeah, so fun fact, queer people actually don't age. <laughs> it's one of we... like the magical powers we get when we come out of the closet. We kind of don't know. We kind of don't age. Like in the sense that I think there isn't as much of like a barrier between different generations when it comes to the queer community. Like, I guess because life stages aren't so rigid. What? You're, I completely just... disagree with that. I mean, first of all, tell that to the twink that made that viral TikTok that's like, when are we going to talk about the actual pandemic, which is twinks turning 30 and then getting lip filler do you remember that tiktok i do remember that tiktok and i remember that poor poor twink getting dragged um, got absolutely slated by every demolish. single twink with lip filler over the age of 30 but there is a big divide one i think between people who had it like a lot worse than us and our generation there's a lack of respect i think perhaps for the older generations of gays in that sense and because things have changed so rapidly between generations generally, but also in terms of like progression of at least for some parts of the LGBT community's rights, it means that there's a lack of understanding of what people before us, like our gay ancestors, went through. Mm. So I think there yeah. is a generational divide. There definitely is. I was basically thinking about the fact that a lot of my cis hat friends, 30 means like, 
oh, okay, we need to be thinking about marriage, like settling down and having children and all that stuff, like especially if they're cis women. And you get like middle age, right? Like people who are in their 40s and their 50s and they're middle age and because they usually have like kids and you know, and the family and all that stuff. And I don't know, there's a lot that comes from heteronormativity, I guess. Like there's a lot of like barriers that heteronormativity puts up between different age groups because it says that when you're this age, you need to be doing this. When you're this age, you need to be doing that. I feel like we don't really have that within the queer community because we kind of exist sort of outside of heteronormativity. So I'm not, for example, feeling a pressure when I hit 30 to suddenly find a wife and settle down and have kids. You know what I mean? I can do that at any age. I feel like yeah, that, you know. Yeah, I can. I can definitely see that side of it from the like chronological ticking clock for having your own kids and like an expectation to settle down and marry within the heteronormative society fair enough mm. but i do think there's like quite a lot of ageism in the queer community or at least like the male loving male community against older guys and valuing youth as something desirable but i think that i suppose that's probably the case in like all walks of life i would actually and this may actually make for an interesting episode at some point but i would say that ageism within heteronormative circles is actually worse we we have it because you know it exists in all, all circles of life but i would say it's actually worse let me give you another example before we actually get into the episode another example is going out so if you go to your average rather than male straight club right it's not like a, a special elite club or a members club or, you know, a certain night. I'm talking if you go to like Revolution or Yates's or Prism or, you know, understand the chain clubs, right? You're going to be dancing to probably people in their teens or their early 20s. You're very unlikely to see someone in their 30s on the dance floor. And if they are, they're going to be out of place. You don't really go to clubs and see older people there. Older people can get kind of aged out of like your standard run-of-the-mill like nightlife. Well, I know we had a discussion in the other episode about you know, cishet clubs not being a thing. But you do know what I mean, right? Yeah. Well, so if you go to your run-of-the-mill queer club, right? You're going to see all age groups kind of there. Because I don't think we have that kind of thing of being like, oh, I'm 30, I now can't be doing hedonistic things. You know, I can't be twirling in the club. I need to be settling down or I need to be doing this or I need to be doing that. Like, I feel like we're allowed to have more fun for longer. I feel like gay men, they live their best life and their best truth. They're twirling until their 50s and 60s. Do you not think mm -hmm. so? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't frequent that many clubs, oh, straight or gay. <laughs> um, too busy hitting the books. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> not true, not true. Because I don't yeah. drink. I don't really, it's not my preferred, like, choice of activity. But yeah, what are we talking about this episode, Benji? Oh, yes, so this episode, we are starting with a comment that is actually a stitch. I don't know if that's kind of breaking the rules, but it's my turn to pick somebody who's engaged with our podcast on socials. And this time I'm picking a stitch by my friend Jupiter Bar. And he has basically made an interesting observation that is related to the no nuance that I did in episode 23 that was about caveating my opinions and Jupiter provided an interesting response to that. So I want to kind of unpack that briefly. Then we're going to be talking about slurs and that is because a famous YouTuber KSI has said a slur and is getting backlash for doing so. So we're going to kind of use it as a springboard to have a general discussion around slur usage. I believe you're leading the second part of the episode, aren't you? Yes. So I'll have a new nuance on prescriptivism. And then we're going to talk about the bill that's going through French Parliament at the moment that puts like stronger regulations on influencers to declare if they're using filters 
or when they're doing paid advertising and things like that. And we're going to kind of compare it to the laws in the UK and give our takes on it as content creators online who have to do that kind of thing. Cool. And that is the episode. So starting off with the comment, which is a stitch. I feel like we don't often get stitches on our videos. So, you know, maybe we should be prioritizing those. So if anyone wants to get our attention, hint him. Stitch our content. So my dear friend... And if you've got something... I'm sorry, before you go on, I'm now thinking of your no nuance before that that was about, like, if you have something to say, say it with your chest. Like, stitch my video. Don't just comment. Like, if you want to be transphobic about the Hogwarts legacy thing, make a stitch. Don't hide behind your screen. So, yeah, stitch us if you dare. To quote myself, I think I said, turn on your ring light. (laughs) turn on your ring light so jupiter ball i'll spell out their username so everyone go and follow them um j-u-p-i-t-e-r-b-a-a-l jupiter ball he is a content creator who makes content all around he speaks a lot about anti-racism but also there's some cool like cultural historical bits and yeah he's a black gay man as well and it's just like really cool he does lots of uh, tiktoks while he's like walking around the city of london and just a very interesting guy i respect him a lot and he always has something interesting to share and he stitched my tiktok where i'm talking about the marginalized bird of having to caveat your opinions to a ridiculous extent, right? The fact that if I say, I think the example I used was that if I say that children deserve to have food, essentially it's about people being pedantic, you know, because they are biased against me and because of who I am and they shouldn't go hungry, it's implied that adults also deserve to have food and shouldn't go hungry. And you shouldn't be using the fact that I haven't mentioned adults in this instance to then devalue my whole point, right? And he stitched it to be like, yes, agreed. But he was also like, there were also so many other things that we have to do as marginalized people who are trying to speak our mind and advocate for ourselves and speak up for what's right, which are just so normalized. For example, you have to have up-to-date stats. You have to immediately be able to cite a source or provide a statistic or, you know, provide a, a study. And and the thing is, is that, yes, of course, like, you know, studies, stats, figures are all very helpful, but I definitely can relate to the fact that people use that to invalidate lived experience as well. The fact that if I say that as a black man, I get stopped and searched to a disproportionate extent and, and I have lived experience of that. It's all oh, where's the stats for that? It's like, I'm talking about my lived experience. What do you mean? Yes, okay, there are stats for that. Black men are nine times more likely than white men to be stopped and searched in, in London. That is a fact, right? Office of National Statistics. However, the fact that I am so ready to whip that out because I know that my lived experience isn't worthy enough for someone to believe me and show compassion, it's ridiculous, right? Also, you said that you have to have a deep understanding of history that's kind of related to the up-to-date stats point. You also have to exercise caution. Exercise caution so that you're not posing a threat. And this is all something that I also do right? Which is the fact that I will try and lead with kindness. And I lead with kindness because one, someone may genuinely be ignorant, but also part of the reason why I try and lead with kindness and try and take a softer approach when I'm having discussions with people, if I can, is because I don't want them to think I'm a threat. I don't want them to think I'm a threat because of who I am, right? As a black man, you have to do the soft, soft approach, even in the face of aggression, because when it comes down to it, you're facing stereotypes when it comes to the angry black man, the angry black person, whatever. I'm talking about my experience for a race lens, right? that that person if they're white right or like a non-black individual you know they're not facing that the other thing they said finally was that and this one really hit me it was like and then after doing all that if they concede 
you have to coddle them afterwards. Oh, I didn't mean it. I'm not a bad person. My best friend's black. Like, you then have to be their therapist and their psychologist afterwards. And again, that comes naturally. This is just a normalized aspect of your reality. If you are a marginalized individual, but I think a lot of those specifically relate to the black experience. And yeah, I try to mention that because, you know, these are all things which aren't necessarily always top of mind for me and I'm sure for many others but actually when you really think about it it's no wonder that I'm always tired it's a full-time job all of these considerations and when we talk about privilege privileges aren't superpowers right just because you have a privilege doesn't mean that you live an amazing fantastic life privilege just means that there are certain obstacles in life that you don't face i.e if you are a cis white man it's very likely that a lot of these things I just mentioned a lot of the burdens that I have to carry, you haven't considered that. It's not something you've even thought about necessarily, right? And so that's just an example of a privilege that, you know, some people have that others don't. And so, yeah, I thought that was just a really insightful comment. Jupiter Bow, definitely go and follow him because he makes great content. And yeah, he's very insightful. Cool. <laughs> I, mean, I, have, I, I have nothing to add. What, like, what, what, what would I add? <laughs> Like I don't I, I can't add to anything and there's definitely nothing I'm gonna disagree with. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's get into the episode then. I briefly teased it earlier, but essentially KSI, so are you familiar with KSI? I am. I am. I I was there when he rose to fame. I mean I wasn't following him, but I was like a year seven kid while all the other year sevens were watching his FIFA videos as he grew. Ah, so I actually didn't know about KSI. I feel like maybe we're in two different waves of YouTube because I feel mm. like this has happened before with like Mr. Beast. I guess maybe it's the age gap because YouTube was a thing for me in like year nine, year 10, but I am three years older than you. So that yeah. kind of tracks, right? If you were in year seven. So maybe we were just watching like different YouTubers. Yeah, I didn't... I mean, you. I doubt you were particularly into FIFA, were you? Yeah, true. I was watching like fashion and beauty girlies, like Patricia Bright. <laughs> Do you know Patricia Bright? No. <laughs> um, she's like an OG fashion and beauty influencer and, and like YouTuber. Okay, fine. Yeah, we were in different niches as well, I guess. I wasn't watching gamers. No. But yeah, so KSI, essentially just a famous YouTuber, came up on lots of gaming content, has, I think, over 41 million subscribers across his social media channels, over 10 billion video views, one of the biggest influencers in the UK, if not like the world, right? And essentially he is part of this influencer squad called the Sidemen, and they are all British YouTubers who, I believe they're all British anyway, who are all huge in their own right, but they come together. They've been doing content for like several years now, and they do like fun challenges. I've seen quite a few of their skits and stuff on my FYP. And I guess the whole idea is that we see a lot of influencer squads, don't you? It's like putting together their different audiences in order to make more great content and build each other up and stuff like that. And of course, everyone wants to see their favorite creators doing stuff together and interacting so that's the side men and they were doing like a countdown style challenge recently so countdown for those who don't know is a classic british game show format where you essentially you get letters right you get letters oh always pulled a face are you fact-checking i'm wondering if countdown originated in france that Um... might not be true but they definitely have a version of it in france Countdown originated from the format of the French game show Des Chiffres et des Lettres, Numbers and Letters, created by Armand Jameau. 
Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Well, I've learned something then. So yeah, so Countdown or whatever you said it was, numbers and letters, is essentially a show where people, essentially they try to make words out of letters. That's it, right? Yeah, so you get nine letters and you have to make the longest word you can. And then they also have number rounds where you get six different numbers and you have to use like addition, subtraction, multiplication and division to reach a target number that's randomly generated. Okay, there we go. So they were doing their own version of that. It was a Sidemen and they also had Chunks, who is a, another famous creator on there as well. And during the game, the clip that has gone viral for all the wrong reasons, essentially KSI's team get a combination of letters and they're struggling to make a word out of those letters and KSI essentially says oh he hesitates right he's like well I mean we could no we shouldn't oh but we need the points though we need the points we need the points and then he essentially alludes to the peaceler and then just says flat out just says the peaceler and they all burst into uproarious laughter I and, didn't and I didn't realize I, that's even worse I didn't realize that was the context of him saying it. Like, that's even worse because he knows, he knew that it was a bad thing to say. And he was like, oh, but it's for the points, though. Like, yeah. really? You're yeah. going to score four points by saying the peace slur and you're like, yeah, do you know what is worth it? That is so pathetic. There's so many steps to it, right? He hesitated. So he knew that it's a word you shouldn't be saying, right? But then he went for it anyway. And then everyone laughed. Oh my God. For context as well. So in the side men, it's two black men and the rest of them are white men. Chunks, who was a guest, is a, a black man as well. And I believe he's like actually Muslim, I think. But he, he kind of looked a bit awkward from the video. Yeah, Chunks is Muslim and Chunks is also Somali. You may want to get into that connection later, but yeah, so essentially that is what happened. And there's been a significant backlash, of course, because the peace law is a slur against Pakistani people, right? But it's been directed in a derogatory towards people of South Asian origin for a long time now. And it has been a word that has been used to subjugate, incite violence, all, all sorts of things, right? So yeah, that's the situation we're here to kind of discuss and, and unpack today. So you, only already have an immediate reaction there. What were your thoughts when you saw this story? I'm not gonna lie, I, I haven't seen it that much. Just your TikTok and what you've described there. But it's just so upsetting. But it's not at all surprising either from someone like KSI, heavily ingrained in that lad culture, the toxic masculinity that is just sort of perpetuated and, and all of the kids that follow him are the exact kind of kids that, you know, would be in the comment section spewing hate. But it's like, you know better. You've shown your cards. You've literally shown that you know better and you decided mm. to do it anyway. And for what? Like, four points. And also, this is just, you know, getting too technical, but the way Countdown works is if your word is fewer letters than the opposing team, then you mm. don't score any points. And, like, okay. I also find it difficult to believe that there was no other four-letter word you could find in there. So you have done that with intention. It may mm. have been, like, slightly spur of the moment, but there was intention, and you could have just edited it out, you know? But you decided mm. that it was okay to just say a slur. Ugh. It's the audacity of it all, because that is something that didn't happen on a live stream. 
Not that I make it any better, but it didn't happen on live stream. It was a recorded episode. They shot it, they edited it, and then they posted it after the fact. I'm sure it was watched back by a few people and they probably thought it was just a funny thing, you know? And so I did do a video, which basically is all around, I think a genuine ignorance there is around slurs, which is the fact that, so a lot of people who were defending KSI were pointing out that he didn't say with malicious intent i.e. he didn't say it, you know, at somebody. He didn't say it to incite hatred. He literally just said it to kind of win points in a game. And so therefore it's not much of a big deal. And I think that is because there was a genuine ignorance around actually how slurs work. So slurs aren't just like all ouchy, all tri like trigger like words, which of course, you know, slurs can cause psychological stress. You know, if I'm called the N-word, I'm not exactly chilling about it, am I? That's gonna impact me psychologically, mentally, right? And that in itself is enough for someone to not say that to me. But slurs are actually more than that, right? Slurs have something that is called offensive autonomy. And what that means is that Essentially, it's harmful regardless of your intention, how you say it, what the context is. Like, in and of itself, someone uttering a slur who isn't meant to be uttering that slur is harmful. And that's because ultimately, when you say that slur, when you say the piece there, for example, you are affirming the validity of that term as a label to describe a certain group. If you weren't, you wouldn't say it, right? In this context, the fact that he was hesitating, being like, oh, well, oh, but we need the points up. Like, you know what that slur means, right? You know who it applies to. And you said it anyway. And the thing is, when you do that, even if you're not trying to incite hatred, you're affirming the validity of that term. And it's the validity of that term, which the harmful belief system of racism uses to oppress people from that group, right? You can't say it without lending your support behind the harmful belief system which uses it to oppress the people from a certain group who that label is attached to. If that makes sense, right? It does. It's kind of complex, but I think it does make sense. I think like a, a less complex way, perhaps, I'm not sure if this is the same because I hadn't actually heard of that offensive autonomy term before, mm -hmm. but going back to like the trauma that it can give you because people have used it offensively to you, then just hearing the word can then make you remember the times that you've been called it in a derogatory way. And so just by virtue of hearing it, even if it wasn't meant in an offensive way, brings those things up and so causes harm. To me, that seems as simple and easy a reason as any for a person to decide, okay, actually, I'm not going to say that word, even if it's just in a descriptive way because there will be people that, and you know, tens of millions of people are watching his videos, there will be people that hear that, and just hearing the word, even not directed at me, brings up the memories of all those times that I have been called that word. I agree. I agree. But the reason why offensive autonomy is more effective is because ultimately it doesn't rely on hurt feelings. And I know that's not what you're saying, but someone mm, could look at okay. the argument and say that it's just, oh, so hurt feelings. Because any kind of time can be triggering, arguably. Yeah. Many things can be triggering. Many things can cause people to get upset, right? Or to remember traumatic experiences. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I'm trying to emphasize that it is more than that, right? It's mm. about oppression. You're lending your support behind an oppressive term by affirming the validity of that term. That's why the word should not leave your lips. But if in the sentence that you say it, mm -hmm. 
you are denouncing the use of the word. You don't have to say it to denounce it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I do, like, obviously I agree that you could just, so, like, you could just say the P slur or the F slur or whatever or the N word. But mm -hmm. if you weren't, it does still feel like there's a contradiction there to some extent of how can you be affirming it just by virtue of saying the word if the sentence that encapsulates that word is denouncing it rather than affirming it. Because and this when is just you... me like uh, trying to understand it better because it's a no. new concept to me. No, so by you intentionally not saying it, right, it's got the opposite effect of affirming. What's the word of it? What's that word? I don't know what that word is. But do you know what I mean? As in you're intentionally not saying it, i.e. the fact that you've gone the P slur, in fact, we're emphasizing the fact that it's a word that shouldn't be uttered. While the opposite mm. is counterproductive or it's counter, it's hypocritical in a way. It's a better word for it. But like, oh, I'm denouncing this word that should never be uttered. And now I'm saying it myself yeah. anyway. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Do you know what that I mean? That makes sense. And yeah. so what do you do? What would you do in a situation where someone's like, the peaceler, what is that? Like, I don't know. Because this has actually happened to me. But mm. with my friend, he said that he had been called the F-slur, but he said mm. the word. And I was like, you shouldn't say it. You're mm. not gay, so don't say it. And I was like, just say the F-slur instead. And he's like, that's ridiculous. People don't necessarily know what I mean by the F-slur. If you said the F-slur to me, I would think you meant like the F-word, like the swear word. Mm. Uh, and that was his ignorance. But how do you explain how do you let them know what the slur is if they don't know what it is well then you use context clues and you google it <laughs> you, use, <laughs> you use context clues and you look it up you do your research you read a book i, I don't know like i there are i'm sorry there are so many ways you can find out what that word is and also you don't even need to know what the word is to understand the impact of that word, right? So i.e. if I say that the P slur is a slur, a racist slur, right? That targets people who are South Asian, right? Who are of South Asian ethnicity, particularly Pakistani people. Why do you need to know what the actual slur is? Curiosity. <laughs> to avoid <laughs> using it and to be sure what the word is mm. when you then, if someone else uses it and you want to like, be active in telling them not to use it, making sure it's the right word, that you haven't, like, misunderstood it. So I guess an example That's might be point. for, like, the F-slur. If I said the F-slur, someone might genuinely misinterpret that to be fairy, right? Um, yeah, fair. And then someone might go around saying the actual F-slur. I mean, look, it's a very fantastical scenario that people don't actually know what the slurs are. You have to be very uneducated. But like, I don't know, are you allowed to say, well, it rhymes with maggot and it starts with F? Or is that a breach of the like offensive autonomy? I guess you could. I guess you could. Because you're be... still refusing to say the word. Yeah, I guess you could, as long as you didn't make like too much of a scene of it all. I guess go back to my original response, which is that you do your research. I don't know. Like, yeah. you find a way. You don't have to say it. Even in the video I posted about it, there are a few people who have found ways to write it. And when I've seen it, I've deleted those comments. Because, like, that is the same thing. You know? Yeah. Like, you use, like, an exclamation mark instead of the I. And, like, do you know what I mean? Finding yeah. a way to get around the filter. Like, that's still you kind of 
finding a way to say it. So yeah, it's an interesting conundrum. I haven't got all the answers. Also, there's an interesting thing that happened on one of my yeah. recent videos. Do you remember the like American high school video with the ridiculous names? Yeah, but explain to people who haven't so, seen it. Oh, basically it was a video where sort of I went around my friends being like, what's your name? And they were like, I'm Chelsea Phoenix Courtney Garbanzo. I'm Painsley Ainsley Creamer. I'm Cody Brody. Like things like that. Ridiculous, over the top, stereotypical uh, American names. And one of them was Hunter Chad Giga Chad. And my friend didn't have a very good, or well, it was fine, but it wasn't a great American accent. And he went Gigger Chad. Like, you might say Giga Chad in, like, British English because we use R's at the end of words with A more than they do in America. So, for example, we would say America is a country and we've added in an R there that isn't actually there. America is, whereas they would mm. say America is. Anyway, so all this to say that then I got some comments that, like, they were spelling Giga G-I-G-G-E-R or they were saying, like, Bro said Giga with the hard R. And then oh. I like thought about it and I was like, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Like they're purposefully flirting with like as close as they can to saying the N-word. Yeah. yeah There's like yeah, yeah, something yeah. exciting about it for them to, you know, technically not be at fault, but they're coming as close to as they can. And this actually reminds me of a pet peeve that I have. And this is relating to non-black people singing songs which have the N-word in them. Dear non-black people, when you hear a song on the radio or in the club or you're at a gig and that song has the N-word in it, of course, sing along to your heart's content. But when you get to that word, I don't want to hear Ninja. I don't want to hear Wigger. Okay, all I want to hear is silence. Keep it quiet, okay? Just for that word. Because I see what you lot be doing, okay? Words like Ninja are too close. (laughs) They're too close to the N-word, right? It reminds me of, like, on TikTok. I don't know if you remember this. But they got to this phase where, like, people would be singing the song with the N-word in. And they would, like, cover their mouth when they got to the n-word and then like it got to like absurd part where people would do it and they wouldn't they would just stop singing but, like black creators would stitch it as a joke and be like i saw their shoulder twitch <laughs> they said it with their shoulder and that was like incredibly funny but the actual problem is obviously not at all funny and like yeah it's very easy to just stay silent i mean you raise a good point there as well i don't even want to see an over dramatic like <gasps> moment Mm. about it you just need to move past it real quickly because the thing is all of those things you're placing with the word that's really close or you like making a dramatic scene about not saying it all that is is it's bringing attention to the fact that there is a slur there the n-word is there and all that makes me think is that you're saying it in your head i'm sorry (laughs) that's all that's all that makes me think is that you're saying it in your head i don't want to see it just keep it cute put it on you like rule of thumb is what i would say now i'm of course not trying to say that it's the same as saying that word but if you're trying to be sensitive all you can do is just not say it say Mm. nothing a point of discussion i also wanted to raise in regards to the situation before we do move on is that i'm also seeing a lot of comments like a lot of discussion around this issue 
that basically kind of centers on people being concerned that KSI is going to be cancelled for this thing that he's done. People essentially arguing that people are doing too much. He made a mistake. He's just a, a guy who's trying to make his way. He doesn't deserve to lose everything over a silly mistake. Let me tell you raggedy people something. No, I'm joking. That's mean. But like, it annoys me so much because this man is not going to lose a single dime. Right? Of course. Of course he's not. He will earn money from this. Like, people holding him accountable and anyone in a similar situation accountable for doing something that is inherently awful and wrong, right? Are not trying to end that person's career. They're just pointing out something you should be accountable for. And for someone in his position who has millions and millions and millions of subscribers, he's fine. He is going to be so, so good. If anything, as you mentioned, he's getting more traction. I have learned more about... KSI and the Cybermen than I ever needed to now because of the situation. Also, even if he were cancelled and everything stopped tomorrow, he is still a multi-millionaire. He would be fine anyway. But that's not going to happen because, like, cancel culture doesn't exist in that way. It just doesn't. People will probably have forgotten about this whole situation by the time this podcast airs. The irony of cancel culture discourse is the fact that the people who claim that cancel culture is a thing that they are being targeted by are the people least at risk of being quote unquote cancelled. It's always the rich, the powerful, the people with huge platforms. You get comedians all the time shouting out to packed, sold out stadium tours that they've been cancelled and they're the victim. It's like, no, actually the people who are most likely to be cancelled are the people who do lack privilege, right? People who lack access, who lack voice, who are able to just be stamped out like a flame. Those are the people that are most likely to be cancelled. And this is something I often say, and I think I mentioned it in our Jeffree Star episode. Like, I don't think you ever just get cancelled. You just start appealing to a different audience. Do you know what I mean? Like the left liberals that would cancel you, okay, so you just start appealing to the right, to the conservative people. Mm. And you only get cancelled if you're not comfortable doing that. And if you're not comfortable like pandering to the right, then just say you're sorry and the left will move on. Like it's Mm. only if you choose to be very obstinate in your path that you'll, you know, continue to see repercussions for your actions. Most of the people just like apologize and then we move on and we Mm. hope they don't do it again. And if they do and they continue doing it, then they do ultimately end up going down that like different political path instead. Mm. In this situation, I don't necessarily care if KSI has a career after this or not. I care that he takes accountability for his actions. I've seen that he's taken a visit to a mosque to learn more about the impact of saying such a slur. Hopefully maybe this could be an educational moment for him and his audience. That's the stuff I care about, whether he actually loses anything off of this. He kind of deserves to, but that's not really the main priority. I think ultimately in situations like this, it really is about taking accountability, moving on, doing better. And also for people who have seen the video to realize that it is not okay to do that. It's very harmful to do that. And this should be a learning lesson for everybody involved. Do you want to talk about the mosque thing or not? We can if we want to. If you want to get into it, then you can do that. I, I, mean, I, look okay, seeing, all I... I look forward to seeing the emails in the inbox. All I'm going to say about the mosque thing is that 
it feels like a conflation of race and religion. The context is that uh, Oli is talking about what I briefly mentioned earlier, which is that KSI has visited a mosque publicly to express remorse and learn more about the impact of the slur on South Asian communities, essentially. He specifically spoke to uh, an imam. And the imam is also a famous content creator, Mohammed Asim Hussein. And you can find him on Instagram, where he has 26.7k followers, or on TikTok, where he has 77k followers. Okay, continue. It feels like a conflation of race and religion to me, because yes, there is an overlap, like intersectionality, because a lot of South Asian people will be Muslim. And so a lot of Muslims, therefore, will have been called the peaceler. But like something that you made reference to earlier is that, you know, Chunks is a black Muslim, right? I doubt anyone's calling him the peaceler because of his like religious practice. And the point is, right, is that the peaceler is obviously targeted towards Pakistani people, but because of then like conflations of various nationalities within that, like, oh, all South Asian people are the same kind of thing, then a lot of South Asian people are called peaceler. And then there's also like that intersectionality of a lot of those people are Muslim. But if you're going to try to make amends, like make amends at the root cause, which is with Pakistani people and South Asian people mm. and phrase it that way. Like at the very least, phrase it like I went to see a Pakistani imam at a mosque, you know? And mm. so it feels like one of those instances and I, I wouldn't say more on it than that because I'm not like well enough educated on the topic. I just, I think it feels as though there's a, there's a tendency to conflate race and religion, particularly when it comes to like being Muslim and being from like the Middle East or South Asia. And I'm not convinced that this act of going to see another like influencer was necessarily the best way to, you know, do your PR amends, KSI. There was definitely a conflation between race and religion, especially when it comes to Muslims, right? And it's a harmful one and it's incorrect. So I, I get you. Yeah, you make a fair point there. The only thing that I said before we recorded and, and you know, I'll, I'll explain now is that I kind of see how there is still like a connection there in the sense that if you were to harm the Ghanaian community, for example, you may potentially want to go to a Baptist church in South London. And that's not because Baptist as a denomination of Christianity is like inherently Ghanaian, but there are many Ghanaian churches. I'm saying this because I'm Ghanaian by ethnicity and I've been to many of these churches in South London. There are many churches you can go to where pretty much everybody there is Ghanaian or like at least like West African. And so that's an example of how there can be a connection between race and religion that may make visiting a place of worship helpful in, in an instance like this. But I think the general point you're making is correct. All right. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on to your no nuance of the week. So, Ollie, are you ready for your no nuance? I am. All right. Your 60 seconds starts now. I am fed up with language prescriptivism. So if you don't know what that is, it's basically the idea that there are rules in a language like grammar and 
upholding them is the correct and superior thing to do. So an example is saying irregardless instead of regardless or irrespective, and people would say that's wrong. But the thing is, if you get your point across, if they've understood what you mean, then what does it matter? And that might seem like a tiny thing, like, oh, just letting you know, like, it's irrespective or regardless, not irregardless. But I see it all too often when it's used as like a distraction tactic to distract from the point that someone's making. It's used as a criticism of their argument. And it's like, if you have a valid criticism of the argument, attack the argument. Don't attack the person. Don't attack how they've said it. Because otherwise, it just looks like you're trying to use proper grammar because you don't have any good comeback. It's also very elitist and classist in that way, because frequently dialects will be regional or they'll be specific to communities. And so it can be discriminatory towards working class people, for example. But yeah, I feel like it's one that a lot of people don't think about enough. And I think it's something that I used to think, you know, I used to be like, oh, they haven't used proper grammar. They're stupid. And I was mm. like, you know what? It just doesn't matter. If the substance of their argument is good, then it's good. Mm. whether they yeah. said you was going to town instead of you were going to town like is so irrelevant it's so irrelevant and you know there's people who have like dyslexia and stuff like that who have difficulty mm. with that sort of thing as well like there are so many different reasons why someone may not write with what you perceive to be correct grammar but that shouldn't be used to devalue that you know what they're trying to say and if you understand what someone is trying to say isn't that the point of language to convey mm. you know information and hopefully achieve understanding as long as we understand each other. Why does it matter? Shall we move on to the second topic of this episode? We shall. Mm -hmm. Benji. Hey. In the lower chamber of the French parliament, they've recently passed a bill that's going to have like requirements for influencers. So it hasn't fully gone through yet, despite what some people are saying on social media. But it's fine. You don't have to understand how the law works. But that sounded so sassy. Because yeah, it, it was sassy. Fine. <laughs> like you don't have to understand how the law works. But mm. maybe don't post on social media about it if you don't Shade. anyway so the bill defines what a paid influencer is someone who uses their reputation to share content that promotes a product or service for money or like mm. gifts and then it says that influencers will have to disclose if they're using a filter or if their face or body has been photoshopped mm. and it has to be visible the disclosure at all times on the photo or video. And it's like to protect social medias from mental health issues such as anorexia, bulimia, depression. And then it also says that influencers can't promote like cosmetic surgery, financial products and services, including cryptocurrencies, counterfeit products. Some things you can do, but there needs to be an informational banner like gambling and betting. If you don't clearly state that it's a paid promotion, then well, actually, maybe guess. What do you think the penalty would be? I guess maybe like a fine of some sort. Okay. Of how much money? Maybe like a thousand euro, 500 euro. So it's up to 300,000 euros. Oh, wow. Okay. And up to six months in prison. Prison? Mm, right. Prison time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it says up to that much... That's like the maximum maximum. Most of the time, it'll be a lot smaller than that. That's like for the worst possible instance you could get of it. So maybe like some absolutely huge influencer 
promoting like the worst cosmetic surgery and really dangerous stuff with i don't know you know loads of face filters on at the time you know what jail time seems extreme however we are talking about fraud essentially Mm. this is fraudulent behavior and there are obviously degrees of fraud but there are certain degrees of fraud which absolutely deserve jail time so if you are you know telling people that you got a certain surgery done and they should go to this doctor to get their surgery done that your surgery wasn't actually done by that doctor it was done using an app and people go and potentially spend money and also could experience bodily harm and maybe even like you know, lose their lives because of it, then of course you definitely need to have to be sent to jail. So yeah. yeah, I think it's it's fair. And and also, even without that kind of thing, just the negative impact that you can have on someone's mental health just by showing them things and pretending that they're real when they're not. I think it's really interesting because in the UK, so there are laws in place that say that we have to disclose when we do ads and that it has to be like obvious... If you look at sort of the advertising standards agency's CAP code, C-A-P code, it will tell you if a social media has received money or product and the business that gave it to them has any kind of control over the content, then that's an ad and they have to disclose it and it has to be very clearly disclosed. It has to be the first hashtag, things like this. We have some laws in place, some standards in place, However, in practice, they're, they're never enforced. The number of like the UK influencers that I've seen that have cheekily, you know, not put a hashtag, just put like AD after a really long caption or like not even done it at all and just tagged the company and they never get called out for it. That is illegal, but mm. no one's actually enforcing it. And if they do, yeah. this is the other thing, right? The enforcement is like so minimal it's just like a slap on the wrist and it's like don't do that again and there are some measures that the advertising standards agency can put in place there are sort of a number of tools that they have at their disposal before they have to like go to court about it and in reality no one's ever been to court pretty much over like advertising standards it very rarely happens and i don't think it's ever happened for an influencer in the uk but it's like all of the tools that they have are completely irrelevant for influencers. It's like, oh, well, they can take the advert down. They can stop you appearing on like search engines, but they're all like directed at the company rather than the influencer. Mm. And they're both at fault, to be fair. There's essentially like nothing in place in the UK. And I think the same is true in the US. Well, the thing is, is that like ultimately from a cold, hard, like, delivery perspective it benefits you to not disclose yeah but that's the point it right? benefits that's you. what makes yeah. it deceptive advertising i'm not saying it's good i'm saying it's very very bad mm. the thing is that ultimately the incentive for many people is like worse than the punishment and if you don't have you know any sort of like morals or like that sounds really harsh but if you're willing to put your morals and values to the side and you don't necessarily care about what some of your audience may think about you if they see you you know, acting like this, you would just be like, ultimately, if I put hashtag ad, someone may see that and instantly swipe away because they don't want to see an ad. Also, we'll argue sometimes that like, if you put hashtag ad, then like, 
you know, stuff that's, I don't know if that hashtag doesn't get seen. If you trigger the pay partnership thing on TikTok, then TikTok are going to store your views. Like there are all these arguments. Essentially, if people don't want to risk that, then they're just going to be like, screw it. I'm just going to not do it. So I, I get a decent amount of views and a decent amount of engagement on this video. And ultimately, I'm not going to get a knock on the door by somebody telling me that I need to go to court or I need to pay a fine because these things aren't like, correctly enforced. So I think like the point I'm basically trying to make here is that it's all well and good, all these things being passed. I don't know what the situation is in like in France, but if a similar thing was to come into place here, my first question would be like, how are you enforcing this? How will this be enforced? Are you going to make an example of some people? I think you should. Because otherwise, it's, it's all well and good you saying that it's illegal, that's illegal, da, 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 da. But if there's no repercussions, then people aren't going to comply. And I'm not saying that's right. I comply. I disclose all of my ads, you know. But, you know, that's because I am conscientious and I, I have strong moral values. And also my audience would call me out and rightly so, as they should, you know. But others don't have those same concerns. There was a situation with Michaela, who's a beauty influencer. I don't know if you saw that recently who basically, she's a huge beauty creator on TikTok and she advertised a mascara with false lashes on. So <laughs> mascara makes your lashes longer, right? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And she got called out for it. No apology, nothing. I think the brand might have put out a statement I don't believe she made a statement about it. I actually believe the video just went viral and then she took a break and she came back and was like, well, anyway, and kept it pushing and kept yeah. it pushing. If anything, I'm sure that brand is probably knocking on her door being like, again, the video got millions of views. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing, right? So with that, like, you know, if it has add on, if, if it has paid partnership, then people are going to immediately swipe. Okay. Mm. That is their right. That is their right yeah. to do. And if you don't disclose that it's an ad without their consent, you are advertising to them and you're deceiving them. And that's the problem with it, right? Is that if they want to scroll, they should be allowed to. They shouldn't be tricked into watching an advert for someone. If it's a good video, people will still watch it. If you've got, you know, loyal fans, people will still watch it. The last ad I did got 300,000 views. So Love that for you. Love that for you. But also, I think there's also a really interesting conversation to be had about how this should extend to people other than influencers because it's like influencers are getting a lot of heat but what about like product placement in tv like that's never disclosed there is so much deceptive advertising going on in the world and sure like influencers are a new thing that have a lot of sway i am in favor of like more stringent advertising laws but i think it should apply to everyone not just influencers i can't lie i don't know enough about that to have an opinion on it do you know what the guidelines are on product placement in tv and so stuff? nowadays most i don't know if this is a necessity but now a lot of like streaming platforms will say this uh show contains product placement at the beginning of the show so like on 4OD or on Netflix, you see that kind of thing. But it doesn't say what the product placement is. It doesn't say like which brands it is. So mm. it's kind of not all that useful. And most films that you go to see at a cinema, they won't like disclose that there's product placement when obviously there is. Mm. That's like half of how they get their budget sort of thing. But yeah. I don't know. I haven't research, sat and researched it, which I'm sure you probably have. But like for me, just as like a, a lay person thinking about it, I don't really care. I don't know. Like thinking about product placement, like in movies, like if James Bond jumps into a Aston Martin, is that what he, he drives? 
Aston Martin yeah, drive, I think so. and talks about how lovely, how soft the seats are as he drives to go and kill the bad guy. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's a kind of advertising which I don't really care much about. It doesn't disrupt the story. I am being advertised to, but like, not in a way that social media influences literally being like, CTA, go and buy this. Like, CTA, mm. go and do that. Like, if it's call just somebody... Action. Yeah, sorry, yeah, call to action, CTA. If it's just somebody, I don't know, like using a Nescafe coffee maker and being like, oh, this Nescafe coffee maker is so lovely in a sitcom that I'm watching. Like, I don't know. I know that's not a very intellectual point. I just don't, no, I don't really care. But it does raise an interesting point that I think we'll probably like end on because it's one to think about rather than like anything actionable. But it's like, it's kind of burying your head in the sand. So do you know how many adverts we're exposed to on average in a day? I don't know. Probably hundreds, thousands. I think it's about 12,000. Let me check. Yeah, yeah. 2022, it said about 10,000. It's probably gone up. It's fine to be like, you know what? I don't care if they want to advertise to me. You know, I don't care if TikTok wants my data or Google wants my data. Like, they can have it. Oh, whoa. That is not what I... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. Whoa. No. okay. Don't do that. That's, <laughs> that's not what you said, but that's like mm -mm. a common... That's mm. something that people often, like, it's the same thing, right? It's like, Google is free. Google is free, but Google is not free because the thing is... Stop, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, I don't ever be like, I love you. You tried it. You tried it! Because you know that is not my stance when it comes to data and, and stuff like that. It's close, actually. There's a bit of that mixed in there. We can have that discussion in another episode, but that's not what I'm talking about. Stick sure. to what I said. It's not what you are talking about, but it's... Okay. It's how a lot of people feel. But respond to what I'm talking about. No, because, but my point is a wider one. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm listening. Is that people generally have this attitude of like, I don't care if you want to advertise to me, that's fine. But it's really uncomfortable when you actually think about it, that these companies, all they see you is is a potential sale. Like, they don't see you as a human. They see you as, how can we manipulate this person's, like, behavioural psychology in the most profitable way for us? And that includes, like, product placements in movies and series, and it includes, like, buying your data from Google to see what kind of spender you are, what kind of products you would likely be interested in. And we get reduced from human beings, I feel, to just like pockets of money and how can we best exploit those pockets of money and the product placement is just one facet of this huge web of them trying to work out how to push our buttons and how to literally control us and, and manipulate us into buying their product. And that's what they do day in, day out, every single one of these companies. You took a hop and a skip and a jump there, but it's cool. If you're trying out for the Olympics, that's totally fine. I'd love that for you. You really stretched that point. You really stretched. I, I was literally just saying that I don't necessarily care about product placement in TVs and, and movies. Like, a, a subtle product placement, because ultimately, as long as it's not disrupting the flow of the program, and it's not, like, it's not a clear call to action, it's just being like, hey, look at this attractive product. Like, I personally don't necessarily care about that, and I don't feel like the level of exploit exploitation is the same as people farming our data. It's not the same level of exploitation, but it's I don't think it's even close. to them trying to, like, subconsciously manipulate you. Does that not make you uncomfortable 
Not really. Not really. Not when it comes to like subtle product placement in like the TV shows I'm watching. Not really. Okay. I, if, I, if anything, I would be open to having more of it if it meant that more shows, especially from like up and coming, like underrepresented writers, don't necessarily have the budget. Like if, if I would encourage more product placement if it meant that, you know, people got their stuff off the ground, you don't necessarily always get those opportunities. It's just the commodification of people. Mm. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. And listeners, if you think Ollie reached there, let me know. But also just let, you, let us know your thoughts on that discussion as well. Who do you side with? Let, let me know. The Age of Surveillance by Shoshana Zuboff. Everyone. <laughs> All right. And we are going to end it there. Are you going to give us an outro, Benji? I'm okay. tired. You did the outro. Maybe I'll ask ChatGPT to write me the most concise and compelling outro I can. Five star, por favor. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write us a review on Apple. Follow us on social media at TikToks Podcast. The TikToks Podcast. I don't even remember. It's, okay, so on social media, we are TikToks Podcast. Uh, it's on Instagram and on TikTok. And you can also and email, email us. Mm. It's the TikToks podcast at gmail.com. Ollie, what is going on? Do you need like a walk <laughs> or something? What's happening? Yeah, I need to leave my house. I've been inside <laughs> all day. I think, yeah, I think he needs like a walk around the park. Okay, so Ollie's gonna <laughs> go for a run or something, and I'm gonna go and probably take a nap, maybe. And we'll see you on the next episode. And you're all gonna go rate us five stars, right? <laughs> Hopefully. And remember to keep tagging us in content as well that you want us to talk mm, about. Yes, please. Okay. Cool. Love you. Bye. Bye.